While the roots of insurance can be traced back to about 3,000 years, modern insurance is said to have its roots in the Great Fire of London in 1666. Now, according to the OECD, insurance companies are experiencing a slowdown in gross premiums underwritten in 2020, with life insurance premiums declining by 2.2%. Non-life apparently grew by 1.2% in 2020. Now, in this podcast for Future CIO, we speak to Mr. Andrew Yeoman, CEO and co-founder of Conceris, to talk about what lies ahead for the insurance sector. Andy, welcome to Podchats for Future CIO. Good, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. The insurance industry has been in business for hundreds of years. To continue for hundreds of years more, what needs to happen? Well, the good news is insurance is ingrained into our way of life today. Nothing can happen without insurance. We wouldn't be able to have this call because I wouldn't have been able to, to buy the computer and buy the laptop. The people that installed my fiber to my house wouldn't have been able to dig up my garden or lay in the roads. You know, we wouldn't be able to get on buses or planes or anything. Without insurance, fundamentally, the world today couldn't operate. So from that perspective, we're in a very fortunate position that insurance will persist. Perhaps interestingly, you reference about the potential decline of premiums. I, I think that some of the traditional markets are probably going to decline. There was a recent survey done by one of the big brokers where they'd surveyed the top 50 chief executives of their clients. And they'd asked them to list, I believe, the top 25 risks that they faced. And when they looked at those risks, this particular broker realized that they only offered insurance products that would address seven of them. So it's a fascinating stat that I think that some of the areas that products exist for, people don't necessarily want anymore. I'll give you a simple example. With the pandemic in the last year, people have been at home more. Because they're at home more, they may feel that they don't need the home insurance coverage that they had when they were away a lot because the chances of them being burgled is obviously substantially reduced. So I think that fundamentally insurance is ingrained into society. The nature of risks will change. Some will, will fade away, but others like cyber, for example, will, will come to the fore. So I think there's an opportunity there. Interestingly, technology itself yeah, creates new risks. Uh, I'll give you a very real example. There has been a growth in the rise of telematics-enabled policies, so which we're putting black boxes in vehicles. And that's created a, a new way of writing business. But of course, there's still a risk that what happens if the technology fails? So now you can insure yourself as a technology vendor against your technology failing. Yeah. So on one hand, it's, it's taken away a market. But on the other hand, it's, it's created a new one. So, I mean, your question is a really interesting one. Will insurance persist? Yeah, I think it absolutely has to. You know, we live in an age whenever anything happens, the first question we ask is, well, whose fault is this? And can I sue them? So I think from that perspective, uh, insurance is going to persist. Nope. There are, however, some, 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 some big changes into the way that is written. So there's a, a market emerging called the uh, Internet of Things, which you're, you're probably, you and your listeners are probably very familiar with. This is the, the monitoring of the assets of the world. Uh, what's fascinating about the Internet of Things is an area that I happen to have sort of a, a sort of 15, 20 year background in myself prior to coming over to uh, insurance is that that's buried in that data that's gathered about these assets is the behavior of the assets. So the how, where, and when these are used. And that behavior is a far better indicator of risk than the static factors that have been used previously. So for example, in shipping, which is an area we've spent some time in, they used to rate it on, well, what's the age of the vessel? What's the type of the vessel? What's the tonnage? What flag is it flying? Which is great, you know, that's worked for 300 years, but now we have behavior. I can see how, where, and when these vessels are used. So if I've got two, five, 10, or 100 vessels, which have ostensibly got the same static factors, I can see what their behavior is and starts to, to make decisions based on that behavior. And our belief is 
the behaviour is intrinsically a better indicator of risk than the static demographic factors that have previously been used. We've seen that time and again. So we are about to enter into a way here, which will follow from the deployment of the Internet of Things, which is still in its early days. We are about to see a wave of new data, a tsunami of new data come into the insurance market. And candidly, I think that that market is unprepared for that data. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what impact that has. We've seen disruptions caused by insurtechs. Are current business models still relevant? You cited some changes that are occurring already. It's a really good question. I think in, at its heart, the business model of, you know, we offer our capital up against your risk, that's fundamentally valid. However, the interaction points and the touch points between the insured and the insurer absolutely needs to change. Go on other days. When I, when I, I'm in my 50s now. When I first insured my car when I was younger, I would go down to the local sort of high street to the local insurance broker's office and I would sit there duly, you know, and wait. And then they would give me a price for insuring my car. Now, of course, I do everything online. It's entirely online and I go and I search and I get quotes from a you know, hundred different insurers that I can choose to do that. In the future, it'll all be done by our phone. We're moving that. So I think that the, the fundamental premise of insurance isn't going to change, but the way that we interact with insurers is going to change. Probably one of the highest profile examples is somebody like Lemonade. You interact with them online. Everything is arbitrated to them online. You, know, you get AI bots, which will mediate and, and pay the claim. And so we live in a society where, you know, where I want everything now. You know, I want, I've got to Amazon, yeah, I can. I want it the next day. So the notion of having that a claims process which takes 60 days isn't good for the consumer or the insured, and it's probably not good for the insurer either. So I think that business model in terms of how we interact with the insurers is going to change. And that means that the insurer internally needs to change. There was a recent study done by BCG uh, where they've said that the digital insurer of the future will have about 50% fewer people in it than the traditional insurer today. So yeah, the, the insurers need to shrink by 50%. And that's an interesting one because you think, well, where's that saving going to come from? You can't look into your organization and think, well, here's a whole department I no longer need. I likened it to drilling for oil. You can't drill down into your organization and say, here's a team of people, we don't need them. It's a little bit more like fracking in the US market, for example, they've been fracking, they've been getting energy, which has been captured in the rocks. So how do I do digital fracking in an insurer? Well, the shorter answer is there are trillions of dollars tied up in every insurer's back end. They got legacy processes, legacy data, legacy technology, you know, legacy thinking. So what needs to be injected into this to do this fracking there is I need new contemporary data from the Internet of Things. I need AI and machine learning, and I need some contemporary processes. And what that will do is that will release cost savings. This 30 to 50 percent saving that BCG talks about is actually captured in thousands of tiny places within an insurance organization. Yeah, so it means that there's going to be new data. It means that every actuary going to forward needs to be a data scientist just to deal with the volumes of data. It means that you know every decision needs to be powered by the aggregate knowledge that exists within an organization. And from a CIO's perspective, I look at it and think when we talk to CIOs of insurers, you know, everybody gets the fact that the future is digital. You know, I get it. In five years' time, Time, 10 years time, whatever it is, risk is going to be assessed algorithmically and it will be traded digitally. I get that. But today, my problem is I've got an underwriter who's got 200 emails in their inbox. So how do I deal with that? Yeah. So you need technology, which is very tactical. You know, I need to be able to, I need to, be able to read those emails, under, unpack them and, uh, and triage those. The fact that I've got these 20 risks that all look the same on paper. So how do I price them? Because I, I, I intuitively know that they're not the same. So I need new data to be able to price those more accurately. Yeah. I've got 
claims that are coming in, some of which are going to be valid and some of which might be fraudulent. But how do I know which is which? So can technology help me filter through those? Yeah. So it's these individual elements of can I make these decisions more efficient is what's going to change the world. So your question is, are insurtechs disrupting? Absolutely, because they are. They don't have that legacy data. They don't have the legacy processes and systems. So I think that they're going to bring about a new way of working, uh, which I think is great for the entire industry. As you said, in the here and now, though, there's still an issue, right, in terms of how people operate and behave and all that. So the question comes back to that. that the insurance industry has a reputation for being slow to respond, even with the rise of the insure techs. Do you see this behavior changing in terms of how principals, brokers and agents operate? And are they responding fast enough? It's a good question again. So do they respond fast enough? Probably the answer is almost certainly no. I have a lively sense of humour, which I frequently have to apologise for, but I've been known to say that the insurance industry moves at two speeds, dead slow and stopped. We're fortunate we're in a dead slow phase at the moment. I think that you have to look at some of the the reasons why that is. It's not that, you know, we got the insurance industry is full of massively talented people. It's not that, you know, the industry doesn't recognise that there's a, a need to change. Part of the challenge is that the industry operates just fine as it is. You know, the last year has seen hardenings of certain markets uh, and people are making more money, which is great. So then change gets put on hold. So I think it comes down to a very human factor is that we are entering a period uh, like a 10 year long, a decade long investment cycle in for me in data and analytics. At a very, very personal level, it means that you are asking your chief executive and your CIO to invest in solutions and technologies which will allow their successor to get their bonuses. And, you know, you may not get yours today, but your successor may get those in a, in a few years time. And that's a really difficult thing. So I think it comes down to the boards of these organizations need to set appropriate compensation metrics such that you can continue the business today, but you can also tra- transform for, for tomorrow. And then there you've got the role of, you might mention about the role of people like the uh, brokers. I, I was at an event yesterday where the, uh, the keynote speaker said that uh, they don't see why they need technology and data because the world's worked just fine for uh, the last 300 years. And I sat and thought, well, this is going to be a lively debate because I'm the opposite opinion of that. It was interesting when I said, you know, this was in central London. And I, so I asked a question, said, did anyone, when they came to get to this building, did anybody use Google Maps or an equivalent? Other mapping tools are available. But did anyone use Google Maps to, to find the location? And about 70% of their audience put their, their hand up. I was like, OK, did anybody just use their knowledge? One person put their hand up because they knew where the building was. It turned out that he, he worked in the building anyway, so that was fine. And I said, and did anybody else use an A to Z, yeah, these old map books. Nobody put their hand up. And I was like, okay, so let me understand this. We're really happy for technology to change the way that we find locations, for example, but we don't want it to change the way that business is transacted. Next question. Does anybody have a LinkedIn profile? And you know, everybody has a LinkedIn profile. Actually, one person didn't. But anyone that have a LinkedIn profile? And LinkedIn, for me, gives the answer to the way that the insurance industry is going to work because brokers offer risk into the market. Insurers put caps up against it. In LinkedIn, companies advertise their jobs. Employees offer their profiles up. It's that same matchmaking service. So theoretically, you should be able to match employees and employers algorithmically. So there should be no need for recruiters. But as we all know, LinkedIn is the recruiter's best tool. So my belief is that actually what we are entering is a period where people need to share more data. The old way of working was that the brokers knew more than the insurers. The insurers knew more than the reinsurance brokers. They knew more than the reinsurers, etc. So there was this declining data dependency that 
cascaded through the chain. But now we're in a, a world not of, of paucity of data, we're in an abundance of data. And everybody has the same data. So it's, it's making us evaluate, re-evaluate the relationships. And so what we see is we are seeing communities come together around a common understanding of data and, you know, and they will operate differently. So I foresee that actually there's going to be a, a split in the market. There'll be a digital market and then there'll be an analog market. And the digital market will have a shared understanding of the risk. And the analog market will be pockets where people want to develop proprietary knowledge. And you know, they're two different markets. They will have different prices and they'll have different efficiencies. But it's, yeah, it's going to be an interesting time again. Insurance for me is a very much a relationship business, especially yeah. the higher in terms of the value that the, you deliver to the client. Uh, those levels, it's often common that agents don't really want to share the relationship that they have with the client, with their own company, with their own brokerage firms. Should agents and brokers be more willing to share customer data? And how would such a move benefit not just the agent or the broker, but the principal as well, or everybody, including the client? It's a fascinating question. It's, for me, it's a moot conversation because the right at the core of your question is an assumption that you have the ability to choose whether you share it or not. So if I take an example of the marine industry, we have built a three trillion record database about everything that happens in the marine industry. Everything that was previously disclosed by the broker, we now know and it can be observed and it can be derived with the exception of what's the change in their business plan for the coming year. And even there, we're getting closer. And so we're in a situation where where that sort of proprietary nature of knowledge has fundamentally been adjusted. So you can choose whether you use it or not, but you can't choose whether it happens or not. So now I think that actually the, the smart people will start to uh, embrace that. And, and so how do I build on, you know, on the shoulders of giants? How do I build a richer conversation? Again, let's take an example. Uh, we, let's say we operate in marine insurance. While them walking in and saying, hey, there are 50 vessels in this fleet. They operate mainly in coastal waters and two of these vessels are laid up. So they're not being used. That's what the broker might disclose. Well, actually, the insurer can now say, well, according to my records, there are 51 vessels in the fleet. You said coastal waters. These guys are heading off into deep blue 70% of the time. So there's a bit of a disconnect there. And the two vessels that you say are laid up, well, they've been being used in the last six weeks. So I don't understand that. So those examples typically say the situation might be worse than it's articulated. It equally could be better than articulated. It could be that, you, that they say they go out to deep blue, but they only go out to deep blue 10% of the time. The point here is that everything that was previously disclosed can now be observed. This no of disclosure is changing. There's a marked difference between personal lines and business lines. Yeah, it's in personal lines, and I'm wearing an iWatch. Yeah, you have to get my consent to use my data. There's all sorts of regulation that goes around data usage. But in the commercial lines, we're dealing with assets. Information about those assets is becoming more readily available. And then there's a simple situation. There's a very, very simple dynamic, which is actually, and I look at it from my own perspective, and I have insurance where they, my insurer gets access to the data off my watch. There's a tipping point in the market. At the moment, I am at an advantage because I disclose my data. There's a tipping point where you're at a disadvantage if you don't. So the insurer says, well, if you're not prepared to disclose it, I'm just going to assume that you've got something you're trying to hide. And that could be, let's take my driving. My driving is terrible. I hope my insurer is not listening to this. But actually, you know, I don't want a connected device because you know, I, want, I don't want to see how I drive. But actually, maybe it's like, well, if you're not prepared to share your data, this is the price. The analog market the price is that in. The digital market, which is fully connected, has got one price. The 
analog price market will have another. So that's great. And then I think that uh, the real plus with sharing data is that the insurer can help you live a, have a better outcome because I can see the behaviours that result in claims. If I see you behaving that way, go back to my driving, I see that you are driving fast in urban areas. They can contact you and ask you to slow down before you've had a claim. So that pre-claim is an interesting one. They give you a very example. Personal examples work really well. If you called your insurer up and you said, I'm sat in my house, the ceiling's just falling in because there was a leak. The ceiling's just collapsed. If your insurer said, I could see that there was water ingress because we had a sensor in your loft space. Your first question to them is going to be, well, if you could see it was happening, then why didn't you contact me? So this notion of connected insurance changes the market. It changes it from insurance covers me when something goes wrong to assurance. So help me do a bit. I would like you to contact me to tell me there's a water leak, not to wait for the ceiling to collapse and then repair the damage. And most people would rather that. Some people treat insurance as a profit center, but most people don't. So I think that the notion of having these connected policies and sharing data fundamentally changes the relationship between the insurer and the insured. And that will fundamentally change the relationship of the brokers because they're going to need to get involved and add these value add services around. And that can only be done when there's a common set of data. So I think that the market's going to go there. Now, beyond this interesting example that you cite about this connected uh, insurance model, what other key trends do you see will continue to impact the insurance industry in terms of how they plan and create products as well as execute the business models that they have? And more importantly, how they engage with their clients? Yeah, so I think the whole influence of of technology generally is going to be sort of a sea change in the market. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, oh, I'm really excited because it's been a countdown. Today's the day I get to renew my insurance. That that doesn't happen. So I think that people, insurers generally are going to have to have more relevant products that are more flexible and dynamic. Again, I think that people want the immediacy of claim. So if, if listen, if you, it's very easy, you'll take my money in 30 seconds. But when I make to get a claim, it takes me 30 days. That doesn't work for me. I'd like flexible policies. We'll stay in the realms of personal lines and we'll come back to business. So in personal lines is if I drive my car to the airport and park at the airport, then I need my house to have a different level of cover than if my house is my car's parked at home. And similarly, I don't need the same level of cover if I'm on a plane for my car because I'm not going to be there driving it. So there's some elasticity in coverage. So I think that the data that we're going to be coming uh, is coming into the market, which we talked about earlier, is going to create an opportunity for like mass customization of insurance products. So the product is very relevant to to me as a consumer or me as a company. And that's going to they change the, na- the nature of the product. You know, So through you know, business an- analytics, you know, the, the factors that influence the, the, the claims can be flagged. We can engage with our customer from, hey, here's a very customized policy to we can see that there's a claim. The data tells us that this is, so we're going to pay this you know, quickly and get you back on the road in your house or your assets up and running whatever whatever the issue is we're going to see that that um that we're going to see that that's an issue and we're going to make the claim now so i think that that's for me is the, the single biggest change these changes happen quickly so i was reading overnight in a slightly different market but i was reading uh, about apple and their their payment system the app store there's some fascinating statistics uh, the app store generates uh, north of 80 billion dollars a year of revenue that's some that's bigger than some of the commercial insurance markets but one of the stats which i read was five percent of working americans derive their primary income from activities either directly or indirectly associated with the app store this is an industry that didn't exist 15 years ago so it didn't it didn't exist so and he's gone from zero to 50 100 billion dollars and a huge number of um, people now working in the industry 
So when you look forward to the insurance industry, you can see that actually there's a massive opportunity to create uh, new products uh, and new services with embedded insurance, which are personalized, that operate efficiently for the insurer and give effective coverage for the, uh, the buyer of that product. So I think that it's probably one of the most exciting times that we've, we're ever facing in insurance. You know, you've got a product which is absolutely essential, as we started off with. You know, it's an essential part. If you want to operate in this world, you need the environment to be insured. You need to be insured. Yeah. It's going to be personalised to what you do. It's going to be data-driven, and it's going to be convenient to buy, and it's going to be convenient to, to pay you if, in the event, unfortunate situation, you have a claim. So I can't think of anything that's more exciting than building those products for, for you know, a future generation. Andy, thank you for joining us on Podchats for Future CIO. That's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. That was Mr. Andrew Yeoman, CEO and co-founder of Conceris, on the why and how of becoming a data-driven insurance. You are listening into Podchats for Future CIO. As always, if you have a topic you'd like us to cover on this channel, simply email us at editors at society.com. We'd also like to invite you to sign up for our free weekly newsletter so you won't miss an episode of Podchats for Future CIO. In the meantime, stay safe, have a great day, and see you on the next episode of Podchats for Future CIO. Bye for now.